Hello, everyone, and welcome to Six Pack of Facts, a weekly way of expanding your brain, six refreshing facts at a time. My name is Alex, and this week, love is in the air. It's almost Valentine's Day, and that's why I'm loading up my quiver and shooting straight for your ticker. It's time for archery and the heart. When you pick up a bow and pull back the string, you're not stretching the string, you're bending the arms of the bow. And this is where all of the energy that makes your arrow fly true comes from. The amount of force exerted on the bow arms by you pulling on the string is called the draw weight. Once you've pulled back the string, the bow is the fresh owner of a bunch of potential energy just waiting to be expended. Hooke's law states that the extension of a spring is proportional to the load applied to it. So, in archery, the extension of your draw is directly related to how much potential energy you're loading up in the bow. Now that you've got that down, go ahead and pick up your bow and let the string snap without loading any arrows a few times. On second thought, don't do that. That's called dry firing and it can quickly lead to a broken bow. When you dry fire, all of the potential energy stored up thanks to your draw weight and length is snapped right back into the bow. This, depending on the draw weight and length, can be very stressful for the poor little thing. With an arrow notched in the bow, however, a lot of that stored potential energy is transferred into the arrow upon launch, sparing the bow of a too violent snapback. That doesn't mean letting an arrow fly from the bow doesn't have some interest in wrinkles of its own, though. When archers aim a bow, they're doing just that, aiming the bow, not the arrow. And because the arrow is notched to one side of the bow, in most cases at least, that means it's pointed a bit left or right of the target during every shot. Are archers compensating for the slight offset every time they fling an arrow? Or is there something else going on? This is called the archer's paradox. For an arrow to travel straight, it seemingly has to pass through the bow itself if an archer is aiming dead on a target. This, of course, doesn't happen. So what is happening? Say an arrow is notched on the left side of the bow. When an archer releases the string, the force pushes the arrow forward and, because the bow is in the way, the flexible arrow shaft bends to the left. But before veering wildly off course, the energy contained in the bend snaps in the other direction, making the arrow bend back around the bow. Once the arrow leaves the bow completely, it continues the snaking movement while it flies through the air until it reaches the heart of your enemy! Or the safety-approved block of target foam. Either one. When it comes to archers, there probably isn't one as infamous as the tiny, winged, naked, mischievous baby who inspires love by sticking people with arrows known as Cupid. An adorable and very weird when you think about it, mythological manifestation of love. But that vision didn't begin as the little guy we normally think of today. Before the baby came to be, the Greeks knew Cupid by the name Eros, and it was decidedly not a baby. Eros, the Greek word for desire, was the son of Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and was depicted as a teenage heartthrob. Instead of innocently shooting arrows at folks to inspire a little chemistry, Eros was a chaotic god who reveled in sowing love no matter the trouble it caused. 
In a 5th century play by Euripides, the dangers of Eros's love are sung. I pray that love may never come to me with murderous intent in rhythms measureless and wild. The intimidation of this incarnation is ultimately what caused its transformation. To curb Eros's power in the Pantheon, his myth was gradually adjusted until it was his mother, Aphrodite, who controlled his actions. This took power from Eros and, over a bit of time, figuratively and literally infantilized him. When the Roman era began, Greek mythology was seen as sophisticated, like the Greek themselves were, so many of the gods carried over into the Roman life, with some tweaks, of course. It was the Romans who bestowed the name Cupid, a synonym of Eros that also means desire, to the god. Now that we know more about archery and the god of desire in teenage and baby form, it's time to draw back my bow and let loose an arrow straight into your heart. Your heart is responsible for pumping blood throughout your entire body. And while the organ is a formidable muscle, it couldn't get the job done without a little help from a shocking source. All right, it's not that shocking, but it is cool. The cardiac conduction system is a special electrical system of the heart that controls the rate and rhythm of each beat. Every time your heart beats, an electrical impulse travels from the top of the heart to the bottom, causing the muscle to contract and pump blood. Here's how the whole process works. The pulse starts in a group of pacemaker cells in the sinoatrial node in the right atrium, one of the two upper chambers of the heart. The pulse then travels through the atria, making them pump blood into the ventricles, the two lower chambers. Then, the electrical signal moves to another group of pacemaker cells called the atrioventricular node, located between the atria and the ventricles. The signal slows down here a little bit to let the ventricles finish filling with blood. The atrioventricular node zaps another signal that travels along the walls of the ventricles, making them contract and force blood out of your heart. The ventricles then relax, and it all starts over again. All of this takes about 0.8 seconds to occur, and it happens around 100,000 times every single day. Human hearts are neat, but there are many more blood pumpers on the planet than just ours, and some of them are pretty spectacular. So here's a handful of incredible animal heart facts. A cheetah's resting heart rate is around 120 beats per minute, similar to that of a jogging human. And just like the cat itself, a cheetah's heart rate can ramp up to its limit very quickly. It only takes a few seconds for its heart to reach 250 beats per minute. 250 beats per minute is fast, but the Etruscan shrew can do better. The tiny shrew is the smallest known mammal by mass, weighing under 2 grams. The heart of the adorable little thing beats 25 times per second. That's 1,500 beats per minute. The award for the largest heart predictably goes to the blue whale. Some of the ocean mammals' hearts have weighed in at almost 400 pounds. As for the smallest, that title goes to the fairy flies. Clocking in at just 0.006 inches long, you need a microscope to see the insect's heart. Love is wonderful. 
And just like how the heart is chock full of science, so is Amore itself. And while the heart doesn't really house love, come on, it's Valentine's Day this week. Do you really think I'd get through this without talking about love? Love triggers the neurotransmitter dopamine and drops serotonin levels, creating a delirious blend of pleasure and semi-obsession. This, for anyone who has fallen head over heels, should sound a little familiar. The flutter in your stomach, the balloon in your heart, the sparks in your brain. That's all thanks to an increase of dopamine and a decrease of serotonin. And, you know, the unknowable beauty of romance. I don't want to get too sterile here. During the first year of love, serotonin levels gradually balance back to normal, causing the obsessiveness to wane. After that romantic evolution, the hormone oxytocin, another neurotransmitter responsible for calmer, more mature affection, increases. This is the linchpin for long, healthy relationships. As the old saying goes, dopamine will get you there, but oxytocin will make it last. That's right, that old gem. Oxytocin has some health benefits that help make love even better. Married couples, happy ones ostensibly, tend to live longer, have fewer heart attacks and strokes, are less depressed, and have higher survival rates from major surgeries and cancers. When the moon hits your eye like a full recovery with no complications from a triple bypass, that's amore. And there it is, my friends, archery and the heart. However you're spending it, I hope you all have a lovely Valentine's Day. And until the next six-pack of facts, like always, stay thirsty. Can't get enough of these refreshing facts? There are three easy ways you can help support the show. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. Then, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Then, share the show with a friend. The more, the factier. Stay thirsty.